Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. you're here. Appreciate you being here. Uh, Before we get started, I want to ask the ushers to come. Today is the last day you can get some more invite cards because next week is the last uh, teaching of the series at the movies. So uh, take as many as you can and put them in places that you didn't think of. Invite people. Bring them next week. It's going to be just a great teaching. You do not want to miss it. So go ahead and do that and pray about who God would have you to give it to. We've had many people raise their hand and make decisions for Christ through this series. Who would have thought popcorn and Cracker Jacks and movies and all that would do that? But people's hearts are ready to receive. And so we're excited that you're going to pass those out and invite people. So every week as we're doing at the movies, we are actually doing this to help you with some behind-the-scenes ways to connect with the movie. We're not endorsing the movie. We're not endorsing... The actors, we're saying this is a good talking point for you, maybe in conversation with somebody of the summer blockbusters. Hey, have you seen such and such? Let me tell you what uh, a a different way to look at that. Like the first week, Pastor Terry taught us about uh, Aladdin and how many people look at God, right? But he showed us that God was the door. He wasn't a fence. He wasn't a garbage can, but he was the door. So Wow, somebody could, you could talk to somebody about that. Then the second week, our missionary from Greece came, and she talked about the Lion King and who really is the king, uh, God, and how we're a relationship with him. And then Andrea did Breakthrough, talking about who are you going to trust in your time of trouble? Who are you going to run to? And last week, Pastor Tim did just a great job with Toy Story 4. And, you know, we watched it from the cabin up in, uh, in uh, Blue Ridge, and it was just so great. We thought, wow, that's so cool because life is better together, right? That was just a great teaching. And today, I'm going to be doing Shazam. Shazam. Now, that movie, all they had to do was say the word Shazam. But we use a different word. It's called Jesus. Because when we pray, we use Jesus, right? In the name of Jesus. But um, it's about a lot of things are going on I'm not, not going to get into. Go through, see the movie. The, the reason I picked this movie, uh, I'm going to get into, obviously. But w- there's a, a foster kid um, named Billy Batson. And he just could not find a placement that worked for him. Everywhere he went, they kicked him out. Because he just, I don't know, just wasn't a good fit. So he finally gets adopted into this, actually fostered into this family that has several different foster kids in it, uh, probably five or six or more. And his roommate is a kid named, where is it, Freddie Freeman. 
He's a comic book superhero fan who re refers to himself as the disabled foster kid, and he's the roommate of Billy Batson. And they really hit it off, and long story short, they become good friends, and he gets, uh, Billy gets adopted into that family. But in the meantime, things that happen in the movie, uh, he says Shazam, and all of a sudden he becomes this adult with all these superpowers. But he doesn't know what the superpowers are initially. So he has to figure them out. And his roommate, Freddie Freeman, helps him understand and figure out what those superpowers are. Now, one of the things that happens a lot of times when we become a, a believer, we surrender our life to Jesus and we say, I'm in. Don't you want to be able to go Shazam or something, magic word, and have it all? Like when I lead somebody to the Lord, I'm like, God, could you just like, could there be a pill that I could give them? They take it, and then they're all in. They know everything about the Word. They know everything about, uh, you know, what your Holy Spirit is about. I mean, it would be amazing. But that's not the way we do life. That's not the way we disciple somebody. We take them on a journey, and we pray with them and encourage them, and we help them get to that place that God wants them to be. I didn't really know a lot about Shazam, but that Word is what transformed him. And we want that ability sometimes. But we have to understand that it's a journey. It's a journey, and we're going to help somebody along the way that helps us grow and mature in the things of God. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 10. Such a great verse. This is what you call a refrigerator verse. You should put this on your refrigerator, whatever version you like. I'm doing New King James. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So what are you saved for? Just to sit around on your couch and go, hey, I'm going to watch YouTube videos all day. No, you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now why? Not of works, lest anyone should boast. But why, why am I saved? Just look at the next verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, with God, which God prepared beforehand, and that we should walk in them. God prepared beforehand and we should walk in them do you know that God created you to change the world he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb he said I'm gonna make you a certain way with certain gifts certain talents for a certain reason and then I want you to walk in that and do good works first Peter 4 and 10 says God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. There it is again. It's not for me. It's what God can do in me and through me to help other people. A mom on the way to church asked her little children, now we talked about this, and she said, why is it necessary to be quiet in church? And one of her little daughters said, because people are sleeping. Not in this church, but maybe the bored people or the sleeping people would be less bored or they wouldn't be sleeping if they started doing something by using their gifts to serve others. Now, let me take a quick scan. I don't see anybody sleeping. That's good. Stay awake. Stay connected. Stay with, with what I'm doing today, with what I'm trying to tell us. So listen to this. God has given everyone, everyone spiritual gifts. Our job is to discover and develop those gifts so that we can be a blessing to others. Now, take a picture of that because this week, this whole series, your, your sheets have been completely blank. 
Some of you are awesome, like I can write a million things. Others of you don't know what to do. So write it down, take a picture of it, save it, because you want to refer back to what God is saying. So we need to discover and develop our gifts. Just like Billy Batson, we have been given superpowers by God. God has given us powers that we can't, you know, they're not from us, they're from him. So he had to figure out what his superpowers were. Watch. I'm a rocket ship on my way to Mars on a I am a I'm having such a good time. I'm having a ball. You okay? having some fun so just like him he had to figure out what his gifts were we have to figure out what our gifts are first corinthians 12 1 says now dear brothers and sisters regarding your question about the special abilities the spirit gives us i don't want you to misunderstand this and then if you go down to verse 7 it says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other so we can help each other you're going to hear me say that over and over again your gifts are really not for you. They're for you to do something with them. Now, there's a difference between natural gifts and spiritual gifts. Some people are naturally inclined to do certain things, um, you know, athletically or uh, musically or different things like that. But it does take work. It's not like it just falls out of heaven and falls on you. But, uh, but then there's spiritual gifts. Then there's spiritual gifts that God has given us the ability to do a task. It allows you to do the work of ministry effectively to bless others, to bless others. You know, every member, every person that's here is a minister. It's not just, you know, the pastors need to do it. No, we need to do it all together, all together. But if you say, but I think the pastor should do it because that's his job. He's a pastor. I'm going to talk about it a little bit later. See, well, what really is the job of the pastor? Uh, don't go to church. Be the church. The church is not a building. It's our gathering place. But we are the church, the called out ones. People, the body of Christ. Ephesians 5.16 says, Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. We're in evil days. I mean, come on. You scroll on Facebook, it doesn't take long, whether it's a news story or somebody this or some, a picture. or something. There's some crazy, evil things going on in the world. We're to be salt and light. We're to be out helping people, showing them about God and who God is. So you're not saying, well, what can I get out of this? What's in it for me? What's the return of investment? What do you mean you want me to do something? What's, what do I get out of this? I'll tell you, you get uh, forgiveness. 
salvation, um, eternity in heaven. Why wouldn't you want to use your gifts to glorify God? God gives us opportunities all the time, all the time. All, they're everywhere. They're all around us. He has a calling for your life. And will you commit to finding out what that is? Forky has a purpose. Remember last week? We couldn't find a fork in Blue Ridge for nothing. I mean, we went everywhere looking for a fork. I mean, a fork. I found plenty of spoons, and I had to kind of rig it. I even tried cutting the hair into the spoon. And that didn't work. But anyway, we all have a purpose. The vision at the Father's house is to love God, to help people, and to build the kingdom. So as a believer, everything that we think and say and do is to love God, to help people, and to build the kingdom of God, right? That's a great thing for us to be a part of. Now, this is a long verse here, but I'm going to go through it for you because it just speaks so well of what I'm talking about today. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 14. If you want to read along in your Bible or you can look up at the screen, it says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, like I'm going home, I don't like this, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. Have you ever stubbed your little toe? I'm just saying, insignificant, but ooh, right? This makes for harmony. Say harmony. Harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. So the body has to cooperate with each other and work together. Each of us has a different job to do. We belong to each other and we need each other. Each of us has a different job to do. We belong to each other and we need each other. That's a good place to take a picture. We need to remember that. We're not in competition. We're helping each other. We need each other. You know, when you first got married, Actually, what, what I need to say is we all need people around us that are not like us. Imagine how boring life would be if everybody was like us. We'd be like, whoa. And it could be quite revealing, actually. We're like, whoa, why are they acting that way? Hmm. 
So we need people around us that are not like us. Everybody has different gifts. You know, when you first met your husband or your wife, when you were courting, when you were dating, when you were, oh, isn't this so neat that we like so many different things? This is awesome. Then you get married, and what do you do? You try to change them. You forgot that you like that in the beginning. You know, cars driving down a road have a lane to stay in, and when they veer out of the lane, I wish more people in the left lane would go into the right. Like when we go up to Blue Ridge, those people in the left lane, they just, oh, I pray a lot for them. But anyway, if you're in your lane and then you veer out of your lane, you can cause a wreck. It's the same thing with us. If we're trying to do things that we're not called to do, you know, we can, it could make a wreck for the rest of the body. And we compare ourselves with each other. And we say, well, I'm not that important. Look what she's doing. Look what he's doing. And we start comparing and trying to be something that we're not. And sometimes we make a mistake thinking, gosh, I can do this. Why can't everybody do this? I do that sometimes. And then I'm like, no, don't do that. They're not gifted in that way. They're gifted in another way. Now bring out that gift that they have so they can be a part of what they're doing. As long as you're trying to be something that you're not, God can't use you. He's like, I didn't make you that way. Why are you doing that? He has something he wants to use you for, but you have to be willing to be yourself and to be different than everyone else. Now, I know the world sometimes will just say, you'll be you, whatever you want. No, I'm talking about what does the word say that we're supposed to be like? We're supposed to be like Christ. We just don't pick and choose what we want. We find out what our gifts are, and we, uh, we work with those. Now, Jesus... He was different. He was different than anybody else. Jesus was a rebel, if you think about it. He made a big stink. He brought revelation that turned the world upside down. He did what people thought was not. What do you mean you're going to eat with a tax collector? They're like the lowest of the low. But, right, and that's where I'm going, hanging out with them. Stop comparing yourself with other people. It doesn't work. We say this over and over again. Stop comparing yourself with other people. Why do we say it over and over? Because we keep doing it. You keep doing it. Everybody keeps doing it. Just be you the way God made you. If you get out of your lane, you're going to wreck. And then you're unhappy because... You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you're trying to do something that you're not supposed to be doing, and then for all the wrong reasons, well, they said I should do this, and I think I should do this, and what do you think? If I should do this, shouldn't I do this? And then it's a wreck. And you know that little, uh, little saying that says, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. That's true. <laughs> but mama needs to get in her lane and do what God has called her to do. Don't compare your kids to each other either. Please, parents. You got three kids, and you're like to the youngest, you know, your older brother is so good. Why can't you be like him? I can't believe you're giving me issues at school. Your teacher's calling me. That's not helping. Or why can't you be like your sister? She's a good athlete. She's, she's a quarterback. I was the quarterback of the flag football team in college. Why can't you be like her? No, don't. We, I'm one of six kids. My mom tried not to compare us. You know, because that just does not speak life. Did you ever wish you could do something like someone else? Like you see somebody and you're like, oh, that's amazing. I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. 
God says, I put gifts in other people for you to enjoy, not for you to be jealous of. Man, I wish I could do that. I guess I was at the back of the line when God was giving out all that stuff. No, he gave it to them so you could enjoy it. This kid in this video, now you may not like, like the genre of music, but there's no doubt that this kid is amazing. Eight years old, watch. I mean, he probably had a talent, a, a, an ability in that regard. But at five years old, his parents said, uh, what do you want to do? He said, I think I like the guitar. And he started taking lessons, and he got mentors, and he didn't have any music in front of him. He practices, he works at it, and at eight years old, <laughs> that's amazing. But I shouldn't be jealous of that because whatever gift you have causes you to work so others can enjoy it. And whatever gift I have causes me to work so you can enjoy it. So don't be jealous. Don't compare. Don't think you have to have that because you're not like somebody else. Be you. Before God could do anything with you, you have to come to terms with and get comfortable being yourself. He made you the way that he made you for a reason. So don't try to change each other. Stop comparing yourself with other people. And then don't try to impress people. Sometimes people just do crazy things because they want to get, you know, accolades from somebody. And you're not free when you're trying to impress somebody. And you're just doing it because I need them to notice what I did because I'm so good. And I thought I would do that because they could, they could tell me how good I am. But you can only be free when you're doing and being what God has called you to do and be. So don't try to impress each other. There's nothing wrong with who you are. One body, many parts, we all have gifts, let's use them. Sometimes people can have the same gift, you know, but if, if you're a two in something, you're not going to get up to a ten, you might get to a four, but if you're an eight, seven or eight in something and you put in a lot of work, you can maybe get to a ten. So don't try to be the jack of all trades and the master of none. The jack of all trades and the master of none. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. If you're a teacher, teach and be the best teacher. We're going to look at that scripture in a minute. Um, every pastor's wife does not have to play the piano and lead the choir. I'm just telling you, 23 years ago, I was like, what am I going to do? I don't play the piano, and I don't, I don't know how to do all that. I grew up in the Catholic Church, but I didn't have any reference, and I thought, but I don't do all those things. And people would say, you're not like any other pastor's wife I'd ever met. 
And I'm like, thank you. I took it as a compliment. I was like, okay, God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me? Every woman doesn't have to like to cook. Come on. I know. And some of you guys, you might not be getting dinner tonight. But anyway, do what you're good at. My husband loves, he is the crock pot king. He loves to shop and he loves to do that. I'm like, have at it, man. This is so awesome. I like to fix things. I like to build things. I like to put things together. Now, do I care that that's not traditional roles? No, it works for us. And we're getting to do what we enjoy doing. And we're gifted to do. And I get to eat some good food. That's all I'm saying. I'm not your typical woman. <laughs> that is my husband, for those of you that don't know. I'm loud, I'm tall, I'm from New York, I'm Italian. You know, I, I like doing things. I like doing things that most women don't do. Um, you know what? I tried. I tried the be soft. Like when I meet somebody who's got such a sweet little voice and they're like little miss, you know, southern charm. I'm like, why can't I? I need to try that. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I tried it right there, and you could see it doesn't really work. It doesn't come out the right way. So try getting back in the lane that God created for you. If you're jealous and you're trying to be something that you're not, then nothing functions right, whatever your gift is. Give yourself to it and focus on that. I don't think I gave it to him, but 1 Timothy 4, 14 and 15 says, Do not neglect the spiritual gifts you received. Uh, and then it says in 15, Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Whatever you do. Now, I saw the greatest illustration by Joyce Meyer about this whole uh, the body is made of many parts and don't be jealous and try to be something that you're not and everybody can't be the same. She talked about a ring that she had. And so I said, well, I, you know, I, I've got this ring that I got from Greece that I love. It's different and it's gold and silver together. And I just love it and I love looking at it. And, you know, but then the eye says, hey, why do I have to keep looking at it? Why can't I have my own ring? I want my own ring. That's not fair that the finger gets the ring. I want the ring. So, you know, God will be like, okay, I'll give you the ring to the eye. Uh, okay, now I don't see too good without my glasses, but okay, look, the ring, the eye has the ring now. And hey, how about, how about we switch and the finger can have the, the glasses and hey, now, God will give it to you because you wanted it. Hey, can you see? Can you see the ring? Oh, no. It doesn't work. Nothing is working. The eye can't do what it's made to do, and the finger can't. Sorry. The finger can't do what it's made. I have to clean this off, too, because I got them all messed up. And you see what I'm saying? So don't say, I want to have that other thing that I, that I don't have. He made you for something specific. And your job does not define who you are. It's what you do. It's not who you are. In Christianity, 
we're defined by who we are in Christ, not by what we do. And some people say, well, I do what I do because I got to make money and, you know, I got to pay the bills and I don't really like it. Most people don't like their jobs. They do the whole hum on into work. I can't believe it. <sighs> then change jobs to something you like and make some sacrifices where you don't have to have so much income. It's kind of quiet here. Like, give up some of the things that you think are necessities. Let me just tell you, a phone is not a necessity. It's a luxury. Netflix, Hulu, uh, Internet, all that stuff. That's not a necessity. That's a, that's a luxury. I think I got ahead of myself, but that's okay. We are people redeemed by God who God loves, and he designed us, and we're made by him for his glory. He gives us value and purpose, and our worth comes from him. Each one brings what he has and works together to make the body work without comparison. So you need to feel good about who you are and how God made you. Unlike this, listen to this. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. Real service is what I desire. I'll sing a solo anytime, dear Lord. Well, don't ask me to sing in the choir. I'll do what you want me to do, dear Lord. I like to see things come to pass. But don't ask me to teach those little boys and girls, oh Lord. I'd rather just stay in my class. I'll do what you want me to do, do dear Lord. I yearn for thy kingdom to thrive. I'll give you my nickels and dimes, dear Lord, but please don't ask me to tithe. Oh, it's a, it, that was an author unknown because they were afraid to put their name to it. But one day, we all have to give an account for what we did with the gifts that God gave us. Remember, he said, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I gave you beforehand, I gave you these gifts to do good works. We're going to have to answer for that. We're going to have to answer for that. So how do, I, how do I identify these gifts? Sometimes a lot of people will say, well, I'm not good enough. I, I, I don't know how to find them. I don't even know where to begin. I don't think I really even have any. Um, and then they don't do anything. I don't know what I did, but I got this right up on my... My ear wants to be my mouth, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> So don't waste time and then excuses. So listen, Romans 12, 6 says, having the gifts. So you already have them. You, just like when he said the word, Shazam, he had the gift. He had the superpowers. He just had to figure out what they were. Having gifts, faculties, talents, qualities that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Well, where are they? You might be saying, how do I find them? How do I recognize it? When I see it, but again, you already have it. You just need to recognize it. Um, it's not about you, though. Those gifts are not about you. They're about how God can use you to do what again? To help others. To help others. So we talked about the difference between natural gifts and spiritual gifts. And real quickly, I want to give you three different kinds of spiritual gifts that come from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Gifts from God the Father are sometimes called motivational gifts. 
They're listed in Romans chapter 12. They talk about prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy. These are knit in everybody. Everybody has some combination of these gifts. Uh, and if you, you know, at least one. This is like God's personality matrix. He, that's how he's making you up with these motivational gifts. And God assigned these gifts. Whatever God has gifted you with, please don't think that you're doing it. You're not doing it. It's the gifts that he's given you that you are learning how to operate in. Many members, not the same function, and you can't do what everybody else can do. So there's gifts from the Father. Then there's gifts from the Son, which is Jesus. These are positional gifts. These are positional, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Remember before I told you, if you've got a need, if you've got, you know, your friend is in the hospital and you say, well, the pastors need to go see my friend in the hospital. Because after all, you're a pastor, and that's what we pay you for. But that's not what the Word says. The Word says that the pastors are to equip the people to do the work of the ministry. So when your friend is in the hospital, you get your life group to go and visit. You get your friends to go and visit. Like yesterday, we had the awesome opportunity to baptize somebody because she didn't want to wait. The next time we're doing it is September, and the person that led her to the Lord couldn't be there, and then she'd have to wait till January. So she's like, can I please get baptized? So we did it at, our, at Tiffany's pool, and we took the prayer team with us afterwards. We said, whoever wants to go, come on. We're going to go be uh, a family to her. And we did that. And Tiffany took place, took part in the baptism. It was awesome. It was awesome. These gifts are actually people, if you notice. These are people that God, that Jesus has, has given the gift of those different things. Then there's gifts from the Holy Spirit. The gifts or manifestations of the Holy Spirit really don't belong to anyone. They're available to all of us to be able to utilize when necessary. He sovereignly chooses and moves uh, through, the, through people and uh, those that are available for these gifts. That's all listed in 1 Corinthians 12. Again, spiritual gifts are given to each of us so we can help each other. Help each other. Uh, you can read through those in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. But he's given us each gifts from the Holy Spirit. Wise advice. Who would like the gift of wise advice? That's awesome. Special knowledge, faith, miracles, prophecy. These are awesome gifts. So how do I identify these gifts? How do you identify these gifts? Well, I want to say that uh, Growth Track has been established here at the church to help you identify your gifts. We meet every single week at 11 o'clock, uh, the first, second, third, fourth Sunday of the month. And in step three is finding your gifts. And then step four is finding a place to use those gifts. So how are we going to find it? Well, one way is prayer and study. Prayer and study. So what do I mean by that? Well, ask God. Help me, Lord. Help me discover these gifts. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, 
acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Ever feel like you're walking on a crooked path? You just got to trust in the Lord. Listen to it in the Good News translation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. Pray, and then study. Like, study, read some stories in the Bible where how God gifted people and used them. Uh, you know, like um, Gideon hiding in the wine press. Hey, mighty man of valor. And he was like, you talking to me? He was a coward. But God called him, gifted him, equipped him, and said, no, I'm going to use you. So study some of the stories in the Bible about how God uses people as he gifts them. The second thing is exposure to various ministries. Now here at the Father's House, we give you opportunity to check things out. Because I know some of you go, if I sign up, I'm in for life. I know it. I can feel it. They're never going to let me go. That's not true. We want you to be in the area that you're gifted in. It's like we don't want to put the square peg in the round hole. Right? We want you to be in the area that God has gifted you. Now I will say this. There are times when pastor might make a call to the church or something and say, hey, we need help in the parking lot. And you say, well, excuse me, Pastor Terry, I would love to help, but I'm not gifted in the parking lot ministry. You can see that I have other gifts. I'll just wait for that opening to come. Um, you just exposed your heart, really. So sometimes you're going to be asked to serve Jesus was a servant. Come on. We should be like, hey, use me. I'm ready. What do you need? Some of you, I didn't say this in the first service, I and I'm doing it out of love. Some of you come every week, and thank you for coming every week. I hope your heart is, is, is filled with the things of God, and your life is beginning to change more and more like Christ. But if you just sit and don't do anything, you're depriving yourself of utilizing the gifts that God has given you and to flourish and grow in the things that he wants for you because there you sit. Amen. Again, I'm not attacking you. I'm just trying to encourage you because it's not just at church. A lot of times people think, yeah, you want to use my gift so we can fill up the nursery and we can fill up the parking lot and we can do this and usher. And That's part of it. But your life, you will use these gifts in your life, wherever you go, in your neighborhood, in your job, at school. These same gifts are there for you to utilize, to be the salt and the light in this dark world. So it's not just here at church. We're here to help you do what? Equip the saints to do the work of ministry. So we want to expose you to a lot of different things. You go through step four and you say, oh, look at that, look at that. I think I'm interested in that. We do what we call a first serve. So you can first serve and look and shadow and say, you know what, that works for me. Or, hey, that doesn't work for me. We'll help you find another one. You know, if you take a palm tree from Florida and you dig it up and you bring it to Alaska and you put it in Alaska, what's going to happen? It's going to die. There's nothing wrong with the palm tree and there's nothing wrong with Alaska. It's just not a good fit. It won't work there. So are you willing to pray and search the scriptures to find out some of God's guidance for what he has for you, and then take a chance and step into one of the ministries. And then number three is creative restlessness. What do I mean by that? I mean, sometimes God stirs things in your heart, 
And he's like, you know what? I really want you to step out and do this. In the first service, we had Rhonda and Scotty Eam that, um, you know, they just felt the need to want to come and help people uh, in, in disaster you know, there's plenty of hurricanes and tornadoes and things, and they actually bought a motorhome and is equipping it to go up to these different places or wherever it is and help out, and help out. Be on the alert for things to cross your path, for things to happen out of the blue, how God, you know, he's always working and showing you different things. And watch out, number four is watch out. Watch for where God gives you opportunities. There are opportunities everywhere. Look for the obvious places. Unlike the Eames, there was a seminary class of students, and they were praying, and they were asking God, well, how can we help those tornado victims of Louisiana? And they were in the praying stage when they should have been in the doing stage. Just go and help them. Clean up their yard. Rebuild their house, roof, whatever. Just look for the opportunities. Open your eyes to the obvious. Around here we say, find a need and fill it. Find a need and fill it. We don't have everything covered. You could do some things that other people can't do. Find a need and fill it. When I first got saved, I was raised in the Catholic Church. I didn't know. I was like, um, gosh, I wish that maybe those handwritten worship words, words to the worship songs, handwritten with a magic marker on a transparency on the overhead projector that I can't even read. I wonder if we could put those on a computer. And I had a computer for my job. I said, hey, I'd like to do that for you. Are you okay with that? And the pastor said, please, I'd love for you to do it. Why? Because I wanted to help, and I didn't want to just be a spectator. So I looked around, and I said, there's something that I can do. Number five is natural ability. What brings you success and recharging? Look to some of the things that you're doing, that you have fulfillment, that you have success, that you have a good feeling about. Discover what the joy is in what you're doing and what energizes you. God doesn't want to load you down with something that's, you know, drudgery and you don't have any passion for it. But, but start looking at things that, that you're good at and that recharge you and that you're most fulfilled. God doesn't want you to be miserable. He wants you to enjoy life and serving him with the gifts he has given you. I said it before, joy is a lot more important than money. So sometimes you might need to back it off a little bit and say, this is what, have you, wouldn't it be great if you could say, this is what I was created for? You can. Do these things that I'm telling you about, and you can rise up to that place that God has for you. God will give you grace for your place. He will help you. God's got everything covered, and we don't have to do everything. Just do what he's called you to do, what he's gifted you to do, and do it well. Do it well. Jesus died for us, that we would have lives, that we would enjoy our lives, that we wouldn't just make it through. He said, I've come to bring you life and life more abundantly. And the last thing is others affirming you. Ask some people in your life, your friends, your family, and say, you know, what do you think are my strengths? What do you think are the things that I could really do? What would they say? You would be good at, you know, God uses other people in our life sometimes to affirm us and our gifts. What are people saying about that to you? We are here to help you. We are here to help you find out what that is. So today, 
I want you to know that God wants you to discover and develop your gifts so, though, so that you can bless those around you. Again, I'm going to talk about growth track. Growth track should be overflowing. You don't have to sign up. You can just show up, and it should be overflowing with those of you that haven't taken it yet to get in that class and figure it out and then start using your gifts. Start using your gift. God wants us to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14 and 1. Use your gifts to make a difference. Again, not just here. We could use your gifts here. But your gifts are for your whole life, wherever you are. I hope and I pray that you're not a different person when you leave here. And people in your life find out you're a Christian and go, huh? I didn't know. Live your life to the fullest with the gifts that God has given you. Utilizing those things that he has placed in your heart. And don't give excuses. Sometimes people give excuses. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it. Well, you don't have to be perfect. You're a work in progress. All of us are a work in progress. And God is willing to work with us. We have a place for you to serve. Don't be afraid. Some people are afraid. I don't know if I can do that. Well, take a step of faith and try it out. Whatever you give yourself to, it's going to come back to you. That's what the word says. Whatever you give is going to come back. Don't waste your gifts. Be diligent in using your gifts. Don't waste them. I want to say thank you to all of our volunteers here at the church. You stepped up. You said, I want to use my gifts. Some of you are actually operating in areas that your gifts are not being used at this point. But let me tell you, God sees what you're doing. You're serving. And he's going to promote you to different areas. I want to say thank you. If you're on Team TFH, if you serve on a team, if you're currently going through classes, thank you. You're taking a step towards that. I want to say a special thanks to our life group leaders this summer. You know, you're diligent in all you had to do. That was every week. And, and, and keep track of people and, and have your meetings and do all those wonderful things. I want to say thank you for that. Here's the cool thing. When you use your gifts, God will get the glory and you will get the growth. God will get the glory and you will get the growth. Are you ready to grow? You got to use your gifts. Let's bow our heads this morning. Close our eyes. Father, thank you for this word this morning. I pray that it goes deep into the hearts of those that are here, those maybe that aren't serving, haven't gone through growth track. Lord, you would just nudge them a little bit because you're waiting to use them, Father, in a great way with the gifts that you've planted inside of them. I thank you for that, Father. Now, if you're here this morning and you are a believer and you have not fully surrendered control of your uh, what am I supposed to do with my life and trusting God? I want to pray for you. I want you to know that God is able to help you to, do, to, to reveal to you what that is. If that's you this morning, if you really haven't given over full control, I don't mean in your salvation. I mean in being used of God with the gifts that he's given, given you. Would you raise your hand and say, you know what, I want you, I want you to pray for me. Good, I see your hand. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. So why don't we just all say this prayer together. Thank you, God, for how you created me. And thank you for my gifts. How do you want to use those gifts in me so I can help others and glorify you? 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never said, I want you to be the boss of my life. I want you to take control of my life. If that's you this morning and you want to submit your life to Christ and say, I've been trying to do it myself and it's just not working. I want to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Christ, to have a new life in Christ so you, your eternity can be secure. If you're here this morning and you'd like to do that, would you raise your hand so we can pray all together? If you don't know Christ and you want to submit your life to him, you want to surrender, well, let's all say this because sometimes people are sitting there and they just don't raise their hand and that's okay. I don't want to make anybody feel bad, but let's all pray this prayer. And if you're sitting there and you didn't raise your hand, but you felt like you should have, let's all pray this with our heart behind it, you know, knowing that we mean the words that we're saying. And you're going to ask Jesus to be the boss of your life. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins, that you have forgiven me and that you have a plan and a purpose for my life. Thank you for eternity in heaven, in Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.